0: So, over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a mini series, a, a four part mini series, on the fruits of the Spirit, which fits into a larger series that we've been doing about the Holy Spirit over the summer. So, if you've missed part one, two, or three, that's okay, because you can check out the, the sermons on uh, SoundCloud or on the Amsterdam or the libertychurch.amsterdam website. But I'll also give you a quick recap of what we've been covering. So previously, Wilson gave us an introduction, and he provided a context for what the miniseries was about. He explained that the fruit of the spirit, not the fruits, are like multivitamins. You could also see them as a spiritual superfood. So all of those awesome attributes existing in a single fruit. Matt then spoke about these non-human characteristics and how they bear a remarkable resemblance to Jesus Christ. Why? Because they're his fruit. And when you become a Christian, you will bear his fruit. He spoke about how it will be inevitable that you'll bear his fruit. But the thing is, it's not always visible, visible. Which is where Ludo jumped in. He explained step by step that the transformation we see externally always begins as internal transformation in our hearts, at the roots. As the Spirit remoulds our heart, we become more and more like Jesus, and so does our behavior. We bear his fruit, which shows in our lives, both personally and in our community of believers, in the church. But this process does not happen quickly, and this is where this message today will fit in. I'll be speaking about the gradual nature of the fruit of the Spirit. So before we get into the message, let me read our passage, and then I'll pray. So. In Galatians chapter five, Paul is addressing the Galatians and he says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruits of the Spirit, see, there's no S there. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So let me pray. So God, I just pray that today that you can open our hearts, open our minds to who you are. I pray that you give us a revelation of how much you love us. God, I pray that you would just allow us to see what you made us for. I pray that we can embrace that, and I pray that we can start to glorify you, start to enjoy you. Father, thank you that we get to worship you this morning. And I pray that, yeah, at the end of this this message, that we'll have a new revelation of who you are and who we are to you, amen. So in the letter to the Galatians, Paul is warning the readers against being persuaded by some of these teachers that to be a child of God, you have to obey a part of the law. So earlier in the the Galatians letter, in chapter 2, Paul writes, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus, in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. He's reminding them that this new way of living is not based on what they do or do not do themselves, which is how the old way of living used to work, but rather it is based on faith in Jesus and what He has done. This new way of living is by the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is what comes of it. Now, a life without the Spirit ends up looking like this work of flesh that we've seen in Galatians, or an endless rule-keeping where you focus on what you can do and how many rules you can keep. It, It creates a bit of pride. But this bunch of rules, the law, it shows us how we can never be perfect and therefore never be worthy of a relationship with God. But the law is good for something. It's really good for pe- uh, keeping people away from the yucky, aki stuff called the works of the flesh. But it has no power to bring life and lead us to life. So it keeps you away from that stuff, but it doesn't lead you towards anything good. But with this new way of life, we give up on our own attempts at living perfectly and we give up on our fleshly desires and passions. We basically throw our lot in with Jesus, who we believe lived a perfect life, we believe that he died for our sins, and we believed he was raised to life. And then, when he ascended to heaven, he gave us his spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. And this spirit-filled way of life, it doesn't keep us from all that yucky, icky stuff by rules. It propels us towards the good stuff. It propels us towards life. And it does so by transforming our hearts into the likeness of Jesus, which is what Ludo spoke about. So let me give you a simple example. So I don't know how many of you get these little blue or purple letters from um, the Belastingdienst. We get them plopped into our, our hallway, through our letterbox, and it means that we have to pay some tax. Now, if you were under the law, you might think, ah, man, I have to pay tax. And you would begrudgingly pay tax because you'd be scared that you may be fined or, worse, put in jail if you didn't pay that tax. You may also be quite prideful and say, well, look at me, I pay my tax. But there's a lot of us who actually try to find loopholes. We try to find a way out of paying tax. So you can see here that we have this fleshly, passion and desire not to pay tax, it's a selfish reason. We're like, yeah, I would like that money. And it also creates this pride in what we do, and we're scared that if we don't do it, something bad will happen. But if you live by the Spirit, Jesus may have started working on your heart, and you might end up paying your taxes because you want to. Which is a weird thought, I don't think many of us actually want to pay our taxes but you do so because you love the city that you live in. You want to see your country flourish. So the two things here, both equal as doing the same thing, but our hearts are different. So why don't we see a bunch of perfect people walking about? Why don't we see a bunch of people serving one another, being patient, being loving, and paying their taxes willingly? Paul uses the word fruit for a reason. So we don't live in an agricultural society, but maybe if we did, we'd complain about the weather a lot more than we really do. And the thing that we do know about fruit, and the thing that it may imply, is that it takes some time to grow. But do we really understand how long it takes? So I went to do some research on how long fruit takes to grow. So I started Googling, How long does it take? And this is what came up. How long does it take for an avocado fruit to grow? The next one is also about avocados. The next one's also about avocados. I was like, wow, people are interested in avocados. Then after that, how long does it take to get to Mars? And then how long does it take to get to the moon? So these are really interesting things to be searching for. So I clicked on the top one, and now check this out. It says, growing an avocado plant Persea Americana, which I assume is the Latin name, from a pit is fun and educational, which is good to know. And it usually takes only two to six weeks for the pit to sprout. So if you don't know anything about gardening, you're like, whoa, yeah, two to six weeks, that's not long at all. But you carry on reading. After that, the plant takes 10 to 15 years to grow large enough to fruit. That's a long time. (laughs) it may take quicker to get to Mars or the moon than 10 to 15 years. But at this stage, it's only large enough to fruit. There's still no fruit. And then not only that, it says, which it only does in suitable growing conditions, which is kind of disheartening. But maybe this is just avocados. What about an apple tree? 6 to 10 years. An orange tree, 15 years from seed. And this is provided the conditions are suitable. So what am I getting at you? It may take a little while. But one day, you'll notice the fruits. It may even surprise you how you answer somebody, how you handle a situation, how you put aside your plans to help somebody else. It's not something that you would normally have done. And maybe it would surprise you and you start asking yourself, Where did that come from? That's not how I normally act. And this is really cool when it starts to happen. So let me give you a non-fruity example. One day, my dad picked me up from school. It was my 16th birthday, and in the back of his Land Rover was a surfboard. And now, it took me a little while before I could stand up on it and catch a wave, but I carried my board with pride which is actually quite hard to do when you're a surfer or when you're learning how to surf, because if it's windy, especially like yesterday, the board's flying around all over the show and you're trying to be like, I know how to do this. And if you're walking with people, you're you're like, sorry, what, bam, and you hit that person, oh, I'm sorry, bam, and you hit that person. So once I got this down, I started to call myself a surfer and I also grew hair like a surfer. Now check out this picture. So this is something that's also gradually changed over the years. But I won't talk too much more about that. Now it took some time to get to a point where I could paddle into a wave, stand up and enjoy the ride. And when I did, it felt like a gift from God. It was amazing. So Jesus walked on water, but man, I was surfing on water and it it was just, it was lovely. But the thing that got me surfing, or got me better at surfing, wasn't the duration of time I had my board for, but rather the amount of time I spent in the water. You don't need to have been surfing for as many years as I have to be as good as I have, which is about 15 years. You can probably get there in about one year if you surfed every day or every second day. So the more consistent time you put into it, the better you get. And this is the same if you're playing guitar, if you're playing piano, if you're learning anything. The more time you put into it, the better you get. But it's still a slow and gradual process. For me, there were breakthrough moments when the bruised knees, the gashed eyebrows, yeah, I hurt myself when I was surfing, and the broken boards, they paid off. So check this out. In three months, I broke two surfboards, which may seem pretty gnarly, but, It wasn't, and it was really, yeah, a bit of a downer. But it was worth it. Eventually, it started to feel natural. Like this one time, and I remember it really clearly, I paddled for a wave, and I automatically stood up. It wasn't something I was thinking about. And then I effortlessly slipped into a barrel, which, if you've never surfed, it's quite hard to comprehend, like squatting down and having water, form over you, it's an amazing feeling, but let's be clear, with a fruit tree, we we do not make it grow, and we do not produce the fruit. All we can do is make sure it gets enough sunlight, enough water, that the soil is good and that it gets pruned. We're responsible for a few of the practical things which we can and we should do on a regular basis. We're not responsible for the magic, awesome stuff. That's out of our hands, and it's in the hands of the Spirit. But now you may be thinking, why do we have to be fruit trees? Why is there analogy and metaphor with a fruit tree? Can't we use a new metaphor? Like, why can't we be instantly perfect? Like a computer downloading a new operating system seems like a logical answer. I don't think Paul had a computer operating system to compare to. But if we've seen the movie The Matrix, there's this one scene where Neo is like strapped into a chair with this thing in the back of his neck, and he's just like getting all of these things downloaded into his brain. It's quite an amazing experience, and then he wakes up and he says, I know Kung Fu. And it's an amazing thing for us, because that's what we would love. I would love to know a whole bunch of stuff, like how to fly a helicopter. That would be amazing. But it may be a little bit too close to a Black Mirror episode for us to really you know, adopt this. But it is still appealing. Why? Because we're the instant generation. We want everything now. And we can almost get everything now. We can get an Uber now, a food delivery, You can get Deliveroo to deliver a pizza in the next 20 minutes just by sitting right here and saying, yes, I want a pizza. We can get a new iPad, we can watch the latest series. It's all right here, right this instant. So when someone mentions that a fruit metaphor, or when someone mentions a fruit metaphor that may take some time, it's understandable that we'll get frustrated, or that we may get frustrated. Like, I don't know about you, but. Sometimes I just wish there was a progress bar indicating how much longer this was gonna take. Like YouTube, how do you know if you're watching a minute video or a 10 minute video or an hour video? I would just like a little progress bar, just so I know. But the one thing that truly matters is actually instant. All we need to do to be instantly declared righteous before God is put our faith in Jesus and believe that He died for us and that He rose again. We cannot get to God by ourselves. We cannot. Only by accepting what He's done for us can we get to Him. Only by dying to ourselves and living in Him. Only by throwing our lot in with Jesus. Our efforts are absolutely useless, pointless. They're not gonna work, but Jesus made a way. So Paul writes in Galatians chapter two, for through the law, I desired, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when we come to Him and put our faith in Him, we put our fleshly passions and desires to death because they don't lead to life. They don't lead to God. And so we hand over our lives to Him. And in that moment, we are freed from focusing on ourselves and free from focusing on our efforts and what we can do so that we can focus on God. And this is the only way we get to be in a relationship with God. And in this instant, we have access to God. We get justified instantly. We get acquitted instantly. Absolutely innocent. You're declared righteous before God. You don't need to do anything anymore. You can walk over the bridge from you to God, built by Jesus. There's no more crazy rules that you have to do and there's no more doomed bridge-building that you have to do. You are set right with God, instantly. He adopts you into His family instantly. His Spirit comes into you and your heart instantly. And this gives us instant access to God, just like that. But this doesn't make us perfect. And we know this, like being in a church, you're full of people that frustrate you and irritate you. We're still a mess, but now we're God's mess. We're His children, for God to make more and more like Jesus. So why doesn't God make us instantly perfect then? Which is a really good question, because that's not the point. This new way of living isn't about being perfect. What is it about then? It's about being in a relationship with God. So God is all about relationship, and He created us for relationship. We get to be His children, and we get to be fathered by Him. We get to be in a relationship with our Creator. And this is where we get access to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in Galatians 4, chapter 6, verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It's an amazing piece of scripture, that. And so this means that we can now come to God like a son comes to his father. And being in this relationship with God It is the sunlight and the water that provides suitable growth. This is the stuff that provides suitable conditions for the spirit to do magical plant and fruit growth. This is how we do our part in the fruit-bearing business. We spend time with God. It's that simple. And the thing is that this is actually not hard or boring, this spending time with God. In fact, this relationship is what we've been made for and hardwired to seek out. But it's the thing that we keep on missing in our pursuit of ultimate happiness. It's the thing our souls long for, it's the reason for our existence. But we keep on missing it. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis, which is a really good illustration of this. He says, We keep on settling for cheap imitations of God and the relationship that we can have with Him. We are able to speak with Him and chat with Him. We're able to share our our deepest, darkest secrets, our desires, our dreams, our goals. We're able to vent with Him, like bang our fists and scream at Him. We're able to laugh with Him. We're able to glorify Him. We're able to worship Him. But being in a relationship with God, it will be unequally weighted, and this is why. He loves you so much, and you're just beginning to love him. He knows all there is to know about you, plus everything else, and you don't know that much about anything at all. He's perfect, and you're not. But this is the point. God wants to give you life in abundance. He wants, you to give, he wants to give you lasting happiness and joy. God wants to be enjoyed and he wants you to rely on him, to trust him, to worship him, and to be blown away by him. He wants you to glorify him because he is way bigger than we are. In the Westminster, Westminster Shorter Catechism, there's a question that asks, What is the chief end of man? And the response is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. John Piper then takes it a step further and argues that our chief purpose is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. And this is what God desires. He desires to be enjoyed and glorified. And He's offering all of Himself to us everything that he is, and when we're enjoying and glorifying God, you will not be concerned about bearing fruit or about not bearing fruit. You'll just be totally consumed by how awesome and glorious God is, and that's the point. You'll feel life coursing through your veins in this relationship, because this is what the Spirit does when you begin to know God. This is doing what you were made for. And if God isn't the thing that you get most joy from, which is quite common, you can ask the Spirit to change your heart. Imagine enjoying God more than enjoying all 10 episodes or 10 seasons of Friends. Imagine enjoying God more than watching the latest episodes of Stranger Things, or more than going on holiday to Bali, or more than enjoying time with your family. These things aren't bad. But imagine enjoying God way more than all of that. That's what's on offer. He's offering himself, which is way better than anything else. In Philippians chapter three, Paul says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And so through this life-giving relationship, through focusing our eyes on, on how glorious God is, we begin to be transformed by him. When we're offered a relationship with God, it's like being offered the best burger in town. And now if you ask people here, where's the best burger, you'll get different results. And I believe it varies depending on your diet, on what you enjoy, but when you're eating a burger, you would normally be getting a little bit fatter, consuming things that you really shouldn't be consuming, but you enjoy it so much. And how this is like Jesus is not really that similar. (laughs) Because when you're spending time with God, you're enjoying it and you're starting to burn calories. You're starting to get an amazing workout. You're building muscles. You're starting to get ripped. You get both. You get the benefits of having a salad, but you get the enjoyment of eating a burger. You become more and more like Jesus when you're with God. And this process, it's more enjoyable than a burger, and it's more enjoyable than anything else known to man. Now, relationships are more complicated than gardening, and they're certainly more complicated than surfing. But there are five principles that are pretty easy to understand. There may be more, but I'll just give you five. The first one is, the more time you spend with someone, the more like them you become. It's mostly unconscious. You start enjoying the same humor, you start speaking the same, you start acting the same. Point number two, you start consciously noticing the things that make them, them. Their nuances, their attributes, their characteristics, the way they say certain words. And these things become apparent. And not only that, but often, you choose to add them into your life. You choose to adopt these things because they're cool. Point three, the more time you spend with someone, the more you trust them. You become comfortable in their presence. You begin to open up. You tell them your secrets and hurts and desires. You become vulnerable and you let them into your life. Point four, the more time you spend with someone, the more affection you have for them. You start to care about what they care about. You start to listen to their desires. You start to champion their causes and you start to spend time doing things that they care about. It's not all about you. You begin to do things that they wanna do. And point five, you start telling everyone how cool and how awesome your friend is. And these principles are the same when spending time with God. So why is the fruit of the Spirit a gradual thing? Because relationships are gradual. And the good news here is that God has the time. He has the patience, the love, the peace, the kindness, the joy, the faithfulness, the gentleness, and the self-control to be in a relationship with you. And the thing is, he wants this relationship more than you. Think about this. The God of the universe who created everything wants to be in a relationship with you. And if you find this quite hard to believe, think about it, it's true. He wants you more than you want him. And the more time you spend with him, the more you'll be changed into his likeness. Again, Paul, in 2 Corinthians, writes this. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face So if you imagine a veil, it's now unveiled. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, into God's image, from one degree of glory to another. It's a process, for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. And this transformation will be internal, but eventually you will begin bearing external fruit. It will be inevitable and it will become natural. Jesus' characteristics will become your characteristics. Gradually, it'll feel normal to be patient and kind and full of love. You'll begin to have the same heart as Jesus does, and you'll begin to desire the same things. So we've established that it's on us to spend time with God. That's our part in this bearing fruit business. And we've covered that we'll enjoy it more than anything else. But just in case you absolutely suck at relationships with super awesome creator of the universe type fathers, the Holy Spirit is here to help us with this relationship. In Luke 11, Jesus says this, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And what does the Spirit do? Quite a bit, actually. But He reminds us of our true identity. He reminds us of our true source of joy and happiness, and He begins to birth a desire in us to know and love God. But you may be asking, How would the Spirit know anything about this? Well, because the Spirit has been living in a relationship with God since forever. He's always been with God. And at the end of our passage that we've been reading today, Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And the way I read this is that if it's by the Spirit that we have life, we better turn to the pro who knows God the best and begin to follow him. He knows it. He knows best. He knows God. And he'll remind you to put your plant in the sun. He'll remind you to water it. And he'll show you how to prune it and how to de-weed it, take those weeds out. Which leads on to the last bit of the scripture. which I think is something that we can start to prune. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So we're all different, and we're all in a unique relationship with God. It's not the same at all. And we're doing this fruit-bearing thing at a speed determined by God, not us. So we can't boast about our fruit. It's not a race anyway. We're here to enjoy it and boast about God and what He's doing. So instead of envying each other's fruit, rejoice in it. So, how long does it take to bear this fruit of the Spirit? And the answer is gradually, also known as some time. But it happens slowly and beautifully by God's Spirit, as you spend time enjoying and glorifying Him in this awesome relationship that you were made for. So don't miss out on walking with God because you're worried about the evidence of walking with God. Now to end off, I'd like to ask three things. One, if you see the fruits of the Spirit in someone's life, tell them about it. Tell them how they're acting like Jesus. Tell them how they've changed. It'll bless them, and it will encourage them to keep on pursuing God. If something, this is number two, if something is standing in the way of enjoying God, all we need to do is ask for the Spirit and pray that you'll start enjoying God. It's that simple. And thirdly, if you're not a Christian, here's a Chinese proverb to think about. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. It's only through faith in Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection that we can come to God and enjoy him. Not by what we do or do not do ourselves. So come now and start this relationship with God or resume it if you've pressed pause a little while ago. He's waiting for you. So let's pray, and then I'll hand over to Wilson and the band again. God, thank you that this is amazing news, that you, the the creator of the universe, absolutely love us and desire to spend time with us. God, thank you that it's not a chore, it's not boring, spending time with you, but it's rather the most enjoyable thing that we've ever got to do. It's what you've made us to do. It's what you've purposed us to do. And God, thank you that we bear fruit when we spend time with you. So God, I pray that you would change our hearts into just longing for you. I pray that you would just create a a desire for you, a hunger and a thirst, and that we wouldn't focus on the evidence of walking with you, but rather that we'd just focus on walking with you. Amen.